Hi, I'm Michelle, and I'm... Wait, am I the straight-laced psychotherapist? I thought I was going to be the unconventional hypnotherapist, and you were going to be the super serious trauma specialist. No, you were going to be the relationship expert. Like, love expert. And you're going to be the specialist who guides people with down-to-earth techniques for transmuting trauma? Yeah, yeah, that's me. Okay, good. I'll be the love expert. I mean, I am the love expert. I think we have this all sorted out. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, a therapist at Anchor Light, and this is Holding Ground. Today and every Monday, we've got a little bit of everything for you. Shall we? Yeah, let's do this. Welcome to Holding Ground. My name is Laura Richer, and I am the founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. We're here live on 1150 AM Talk Radio. You can also find this show anytime on the KKNW website or search Holding Ground on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. So today I am joined by our newest therapist at Anchor Light Therapy, and we are going to be chatting a little bit with her. So welcome, Mara Harrington. How are you doing, Mara? Hi, Laura. I'm so excited to be here. Good morning to all of the listeners on Holding Ground. I am so excited to have you. So as Anchor Light continues to expand, of course, we need to bring on more therapists to serve our clients. And I'm super excited to introduce our newest addition to the team, Mara Harrington, who is a licensed psychotherapist and couples therapist. Mara is a Midwestern transplant. She was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and her first career was actually in teaching. She volunteered with AmeriCorps for two years and then became a social studies teacher working in both middle school and high school. Seven years ago, she realized it was time for a big change, and so she relocated here to Washington with her husband and daughter and began the next chapter in her career, which included pursuing her master's degree in clinical mental health counseling and then completing licensure to work with couples and individuals as a psychotherapist at Anchor Light. And so, and also Mara will be joining us from time to time as a co-host on Holding Ground. So Mara, I want our audience to get to know a little bit about you. So let's just start with, with your uh, teaching background. Tell us a little bit about your prior career before you got into therapy. Okay. Well, to start, I've always been sort of a social studies nerd. When I was little, I wanted to be Indiana Jones. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so when, you know, when I started out, I was absolutely enamored with everything social sciences. So psychology, history, economics, poli-sci, all of that. Like I, I could talk your ear off about any of those subjects, but you know, that's not why we're here. Well, it sounds like you'd make a good trivial pursuit partner. I am the best. Have me on Jeopardy. (laughs) Call me, call me Jeopardy. Um, (laughs) I, I really loved my work and I was a teacher for a while in my hometown of Milwaukee, working in charter schools and some of the private schools there. Um, And yeah, it was something that I really, I really enjoyed. But when I decided that I was going to make that change, it was a lot because I saw students struggling and it wasn't necessarily that they were struggling with the course material because I'm an amazing teacher, right? So (laughs) so that's not the problem. 
they were having problems because of things that were going on at home that were unresolved. And mm. as a teacher, you know, yes, we are on the mandatory reporting spectrum, mm. but there's only so much you can do. You know, you provide a safe place while they're in school and give them everything that you can to send them out into the world. But I really wanted to help to make a difference. And if anyone's read my read my bio on anchorlighttherapy.com, they'll know, you know, I grew up in a home with a mother who was a social worker. So I had that experience of going out with her on home visits when I was very little and really getting to know people and being there and serving with them. I was I was the only sixth grader who spent like weekends and vacations at the nursing home crocheting with Edna. Hey, Edna. Um, and it was really meaningful for me. I wanted to be able to give back in those ways. That is fantastic. So therapy, I guess, then seemed like the next logical choice. Absolutely. So, you know, as as we like to say in our house, when we moved here from Wisconsin, the Dark Lord called. Of the, <laughs> I won't I won't name corporations, but if you know, you know. Um, so we moved out here both so my daughter could be closer to the, her father's side mm-hmm. of her family as they had moved out here also. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to provide. That cracks me up. <laughs> Bill, don't come at me. Um, (laughs) So we decided to come out here. And I know it might be surprising to some people who are not familiar with the ins and outs of education, but our licenses are not reciprocal. Mm -hmm. So I could, I mean, I could get, if had we moved to Illinois or Minnesota, that would have been no problem. But as a Packers fan, I could not in good conscience move to either (laughs) of those states. Um, So when we moved out here, I took some time to really think about what I wanted to do. And this was one of the areas that really called to me. I feel like I can make a big difference. And what appeals to me a lot is that it is a very emotion-driven field. But the way that we approach it is very academic. It's very scientific and logical you know, we use evidence-based practice. It's sort of like, um, not to use the Star Trek analogy right off the bat and out myself as a major nerd, but um, so Jim is very, very much a combination of like Bones and Spock, you know, very emotional, but also very logical at times. So that is that is the goal for me. That is the appeal to somehow find that, that middle ground for effective therapy. I love that. And just like the other therapists at Anchor Light, you are an integrative therapist. So you use Mm -hmm. different approaches. We don't just stick to one thing. We don't think therapy is one size fits all. So what are some of those evidence-based approaches that that you use when you're working with clients? Well, the ones that I started out with that I was really drawn to are cognitive behavioral therapy and dialectic behavioral therapy. Um, so in cognitive behavioral therapy, I obviously, you know, it's, it's the gold standard for a lot of practitioners for treating things, especially like depression, which it was developed for originally. 
And I've found a lot just in looking at how people think and being able to change their mindset and how it impacts how they feel about themselves and how they go out and act in their normal life, that it's made amazing changes for them. Mm. I do a lot of behavioral activation work, and that was one of my favorite modules for CBT. So just explain to our listeners a little more in depth what the, what behavioral activation work is, <laughs> so what that looks like. A lot of it, the, the hardest part is, um, think about it like the do or do not. There is no try. Sorry to nerd again, but I will be the nerdy therapist today. Um, <laughs> you have to act sometimes before the emotion changes. So with depression, a lot of times you might not want to get out of bed. You might not want to take a shower, but just making those small steps, even if you aren't in that mindset can help to gradually shift you into an uptick in mood. I love that. I one. Yeah. And clients often feel like I can start doing things when I feel better, but it's really, you're going to feel better when you start doing whatever the thing is. If you wait to not be afraid or not be depressed, you might Mm -hmm. be waiting a really long time. Right. Um, And then, you know, identifying things that do improve your mood and having that scale, like, well, you know, um, petting my cat is going to make me feel better than washing my dishes. <laughs> but there was, those are some things that I can do. And I have this list. So I already feel more empowered to take the improvement of my mental health into my own hands, yeah. which is a really amazing thing. I'm always impressed at neuroplasticity and how resilient the human brain is. And so how do you see that working with clients right now who are struggling with pandemic related depression? Cause that's a big topic right now. And a lot of people are, I mean, we're seeing depression rates skyrocket in this mm-hmm. current environment that we're all living in. Yes. Um, I'm hearing a lot of that too, about people just feeling really powerless because this is something that we can't control. So I feel like it's really important to be able to look at those things that you do have power And you can take steps to utilize in improving your mental health. Yes. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, this, I think this is a good time to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to learn a little bit more about Anchor Light's newest addition to the team, Mara Harrington. So stay tuned. You're listening to KKNW. Saving Great Animals, a Seattle-based dog rescue organization, matches families with dogs that are the best fit. Dogs that come from overcrowded animal control shelters, from abandonment or neglect. The key to Saving Great Animals' success is a trial adoption program, including training and counsel as needed. This way, you know you have the right dog before the adoption is final. Saving Great Animals relies solely on donations, so please visit Saving Great Animals animals.org today. Thanks for tuning into our brand new show, Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, the co-host of Holding Ground, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Our passion, our one big thing in life, above and beyond love, relationships, trauma, addiction, and healing, our specialty is helping others. 
every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. It's time that you are heard, and I don't mean in just a conversation. I mean really heard. Imagine hosting your very own radio program on Alternative Talk 1150. Talk about being heard. Call 425-653-1150 right now to learn how affordable it can be to host your own radio show. Time slots are going fast, so take hold of this chance by dialing 425-653-1150. Alternative Talk, we have an opportunity waiting just for you. I'm Dr. Anthony Lazarus, and this is Climate Connections. Along the Atlantic coast, ghost forests provide haunting signs of sea level rise. These stands of bleached and broken tree trunks are all that remain after salty water inundates a forest. Matt Kerwin is with the Virginia Institute of Marine Science. He says ghost forests are not a new phenomenon, but they're moving inland faster as seas rise. Eventually, they'll fall apart and become stumps surrounded by marshland. And so when you see a ghost forest now, you're seeing where the marsh will be in the future. Marshes are valuable ecosystems, so in some ways that's positive. Ghost forests are a surprising indicator of ecological resilience in coastal systems. They mark how marshes naturally migrate in response to sea level rise. But that migration comes at a cost places that people have lived for hundreds of years are becoming too wet and too salty to grow crops on in some cases. And of course, the forest resources are being lost. And in some cases, people are forced to move from their homes as the land becomes too flooded. So ghost forests have become eerie symbols of rapid change. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. To hear more stories like this, visit climateconnections.org. Thanks for tuning in to our brand new show, Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, the co-host of Holding Ground, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Our passion, our one big thing in life, above and beyond love, relationships, trauma, addiction, and healing, our specialty is helping others. Every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. Ready to shake things up? Try Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back. You're listening to Holding Ground here on KKNW. I'm Laura Richer with Anchor Light Therapy Collective in Seattle, Washington. And today I am talking to our newest addition to the team, psychotherapist and couples therapist, Mara Harrington, who is also going to be on Holding Ground from time to time as a co-host. So Mara, welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you. Thank you, Laura. I'm so happy to be here. So Mara, I know that you are super passionate about working with individuals with autism spectrum disorder and advocating for individuals with autism spectrum disorder. And Mm -hmm. I wanted you to share a little bit more about that with our listeners. Right. So I wanted in thinking about how to talk about this, you know, I've I've raised a wonderful human being with autism. Uh, My daughter is on the spectrum. She's 25 years old and she is absolutely amazing and she inspires me every day. So that was one of the other things that got me interested in therapy because as a mother, you naturally want to advocate for your children. And I started out and continue to do that 
in various capacities with her as an adult with people who might not understand you know facial expressions um might not understand why she reacts the way that she does say in a professional environment while she's working and really you know how how to adapt to changes for her so you really bring a lot to to working with both parents and client parents of children with autism and clients on the autism spectrum because you have such personal experience with it yes yes and not only you know most people don't consider that the children with autism are going to grow up and move out into you know the workforce mm -hmm. and into regular life and a lot of people especially here are dealing with that on a daily basis and they're dealing with the challenges of comorbidities that come along with that like anxiety and depression and so over the years as you've worked as you've experienced different therapeutic modalities and and worked with clients what do you see as as effective when you're working with somebody who who is on the spectrum or or family members of people who have have loved ones on the spectrum Oh, thank you. That's an amazing question. So I love collaborating and supporting with parents because, you know, when someone is young, that is a great time. The brain is a sponge. It's a great time to start teaching a parent that, you know, their child is special. Everyone's child is special, of course, but dealing with autism, that child is special and their approach will have to be different. So I do a lot of that and encouraging parents in what they're doing and that there is hope that they don't have to give up once you get that diagnosis that does not saddle your child and it does not have to saddle your child with something negative for the rest of their life, which it can. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, we'll talk a little bit more about that with ADHD too, but you know, the modality that I use a lot is cognitive behavioral therapy again, especially for milder forms of autism spectrum disorder, um, like personal understanding of triggers and offering those interventions that address fear and anxiety and exposing themselves to social situations. So a lot of like how to self-soothe, maybe even learning how to read other people's facial expressions because they might not think about that, you know, and how to communicate their needs. And I think that that's so important to realize that these are these are skills that maybe are not natural to somebody who has is on the spectrum, but at the same time, absolutely can be learned. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you have any cool success stories of clients that you've worked with in the past, either parents or or clients that you really saw transform as you were doing therapy with them? I have. I mean, I think just explaining to a lot of parents and the, any parent out there with a child who's neuroatypical that will be listening right now, I want you to know that your child can do amazing things. They are amazing humans and you already know that. And you can and you should encourage them to explore and to be brave and to really challenge themselves to grow because they can 
and that's another thing, you know, children with autism can have their own challenges, but, you know, they are not in and of themselves fragile beings and they can do a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, whether on the spectrum or not, we all have our own challenges, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I was scared to go on the radio, but here I am killing it. Killing it. That's right. Mm-hmm. You just had to, you had to act first and then feel it. Yes. It's like karaoke. I'm, I'm amazing. <laughs> so I know cognitive behavioral therapy is a big part of how you work with clients and that you use that modality quite a bit. And you, then you also use a variation of CBT called team CBT. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and how it's different than traditional cognitive behavioral yeah, therapy? Yeah. So- I got the opportunity to learn from Dr. David Burns, who's one of the people who sort of built this new way of looking at CBT. And it can be sort of considered therapy at warp speed. Um, It's a transdiagnostic framework. So we do testing. There's there's so much testing. Um, A lot of outcome rating scales and session rating scales, which monitor how the client is feeling and also at the same time gauge the rapport that is being built up between the therapist and the client. So, you know, how are you doing? How are we working together? Which is so important because in as as we know, as therapists, the biggest success is really one of the most important factors is the rapport that you have with the client above and beyond any of the interventions that you're going to do. So that's, that is really cool that that is incorporated so heavily into that modality. Absolutely. And I did a lot of experience with that. I do love outcome rating skills and session rating skills. They're better outcomes now. They're amazing. Love them. Use them very heavily through that experience. Another thing, and you know, if you don't have this, why are you a counselor, <laughs> right, is empathy. It's establishing that alliance, which you know, does affect those rating skills, obviously. And if you have someone, like I've, I've had people come in not disclosing any names and saying, my last counseling experience was a disaster. How is this going to be different? Yes. Yes. Well, you have to take that step, you know, and trust the process. And ultimately, if we aren't a good fit, then I would wish you well. And, you know, good luck finding another therapist that that you do have a better rapport with, because that is really a huge part of it, like you said. Yes. And that doesn't hurt our feelings. If for whatever reason, we're not a fit for you, then we want you to find the person who's going to be the right fit. So, you know, everyone, there's different things that resonate with different people and that's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like a relationship, you know, you have to have a, it is a relationship. Yeah. It's a collaborative relationship and we're walking along with those people through their mental health journey and it's an amazing honor. So we want to make sure that we're the right fit for you. Exactly. So who, who would be a, what kind of client would be a good fit for team CBT? I imagine a lot of different people, but are there some specific issues that you've worked on using this modality that have been really helpful? I mean, I've, I've found it to be really useful for people that want a faster form of CBT. 
because it is it can be done in a shorter amount of time than mm -hmm. traditional CBT, but I have found it to be good in general for people who are resistant to the process mm. of cognitive behavioral therapy because it does challenge a little bit more, you know, and there's mm. more agenda setting and addressing motivation to change. So there's that challenge. Um, it deals really effectively with things like depression, anxiety, um, substance abuse. You can use it for marital issues and um, eating disorders and panic disorders. Mm. So fascinating that some of these modalities are, I mean, this is a meant to be a faster acting modality and people always want to know how long is therapy going to take? And of course right. we don't know the answer to that question, but yes. it's nice that there are some interventions mm -hmm. that at least the intention is not to lay on the couch and be psychoanalyzed. Although I'm kind of into that, but <laughs> right. you know, the next 10 years, <laughs> I love a good couch. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> and what I always say is, you know, it, it takes as long as it takes. Exactly. To get the result that you want. Sometimes mm -hmm. that's faster than you might think. And sometimes we got to go deep to do a little fine tuning and that's okay too. Exactly. And it's okay sometimes too, to check in and get a tune up every once in a while. Yes. So I, you mentioned that this can be effective with couples and marriage counseling. Mm -hmm. um, and so we also use the Gottman method at Anchor Light. And so how do you use those two modalities together when you're working with a couple or do you? Um, I mean, sometimes because I am sort of integrative, I do like to draw from my big bag. I'm like Mary Poppins, you know, yeah. reaching into her, into her carpet bag and pulling out the various modalities from, <laughs> <laughs> from within. Um, I feel I feel like a lot of it, you know, the the positive self-regard and acceptance mm -hmm. of situation in some of my modalities are really helpful. And I feel like they are reflected in the Gottman method also. Well, I would imagine too, and so just for our listeners who have not heard of the Gottman method before, it's a type of evidence-based couples therapy that was developed by researchers at the University of Washington, John and Julie, doctors John and Julie Gottman, um, where they studied relationships or and continue to study relationships for more than 40 years now, and mm -hmm. developed this intervention that has proven to be very effective with couples. And a part of that intervention is challenging your belief system around what you think your partner's intentions are, you know, whether you're a person that gets very defensive because you're feeling attacked all the time, or if you get really critical because you feel like you could, there's no other way to get your point across. And I would imagine that CBT could help really complement doing some of that work to just become more self-aware and challenge the ideas that you have Absolutely. around your relationship. Absolutely. That and DBT, uh, which I mean, along the same lines, they're both, you know, in the cognitive therapy wheelhouse, but mindfulness and self-soothing. Yes. So tell, we're throwing lots of therapy lingo out there. Mm -hmm. So tell our listeners a little bit about DBT, which stands for dialectical behavior therapy. What is that and who is it for? It is for, it is for a lot of different um, types, <laughs> types of folks. Let's see. So I've used it a lot for anger issues. Um, 
I've found it really effective. It can be used in group and in individual counseling. Anyone who's feeling a lot of anxiety, stress, um, people, some people with personality disorders find it helpful because it sort of takes you out of the moment and you're able to really focus on your body, on your breathing, on the things that are physically happening around you and not to you. So you observe that and don't immediately react. So that's the mindfulness piece of, of right. being able to self-soothe and take a step back and and maybe evaluate the situation and see if you can't see it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And distress tolerance. Like yeah. in, in this world with so much coming at us and in the middle of a global pandemic, being able to say, okay, this is happening. And rather than being reactive in that moment, choosing to be reflective and taking time like we always say, unless, is it bleeding? Is the house on fire? <laughs> if yeah. neither of those two things are happening or, you know, potentially if you have a moment to breathe and think about what's happening and how you choose to react to that. So I think DBT really could be for, I mean, really for anyone because it's mm -hmm. just life skills and how to soothe yourself, how to withstand stress, um, how to get your needs met and ask for your needs to be met in a way that is effective. I mean, who doesn't need that? Absolutely. And again, it's all about changing those behavioral patterns and it helps with things like, uh, like I said, mood disorders, self-harm, substance abuse, anger issues, because it encourages you to stop, to take that pause, to do things, to calm yourself. And it has been shown, it's a, it's Marsha Linehan, again, a mm -hmm. Washington researcher, mm -hmm. um, that it can change the way that your brain is wired. It can rewire, rewire your brain to be calmer and less reactive. So, and I know that's something that clients struggle with sometimes as we're learning new skills is they feel like it is such a struggle that you know, oh, am I always going to have to like take a step back and think about what I'm going to say? And that just feels, especially in couples therapy, am I ever going to just have a straightforward conversation with my partner? Or are we going to be, you know, taking the time out to reframe our thoughts all the time? <laughs> and the truth is initially you might have to do some of that work that feels kind of forced and really, really intentional. But like, like you said, you can actually rewire your brain so that that becomes your default setting. So you will be practicing therapy all the time. Pretty soon it will just be what you do. Absolutely. And part of it is being non-judgmental. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that, you know, if you're going to be non-judgmental for those around you, try turning that and using it for yourself. Yes. Oh, I love that. All right, Mara. Well, we need to take another quick break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation and get to know our newest therapist, Mary, Mara Harrington, a little bit more. So stay tuned. You're listening to KKNW.
Alternative Talk 1150. We're on your radio at 1150 a.m. We're on your HD radio at 98.9 Channel 3. So many ways to listen. We're on the web at 1150kknw.com. Streaming live audio and video as well as MP3 archives of many of our shows. So many ways to listen. And now, we're on your smartphone or tablet. Download our free app in the Apple App Store or Google Play and take Alternative Talk 1150 anywhere you go. So many ways to listen. Thanks for tuning in to our brand new show, Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, the co-host of Holding Ground, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Our passion, our one big thing in life, above and beyond love, relationships, trauma, addiction, and healing, our specialty is helping others. Every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Michael Knorr with your health tip of the day from the African American Wellness Project. Prostate cancer is the most common cancer for men. African American men are more at risk. That's primarily because it's often diagnosed when it's more advanced. The good news is that diagnosed early in most prostate cancer can be treated effectively. If you're a man over 50 or have a family history of prostate cancer, talk to your doctor today about a test. For more information, visit aawellnessproject.org. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back. You're listening to Holding Ground here on KKNW. And today we are talking with Anchor Light Therapy's newest therapist, Mara Harrington. And don't forget, if you would like to schedule a complimentary consultation with Mara or any of the other therapists at Anchor Light, go over to anchorlighttherapy.com and click the Get Started button. And we would love to talk to you. So Mara, we're continuing this conversation about all of the cool therapeutic tools that you have in your big Mary Poppins therapy (laughs) tool bag. And I know you also are passionate about working with clients who have either an ADD or an ADHD diagnosis. And so I wanted you to talk a little bit more about those clients, what some of their challenges are and how you work with them. Right. So a lot of people I'm finding at this point in my career and, um, you know, are discovering that they have lived their whole lives with ADD or ADHD and did not get a diagnosis, which is super surprising because when I was young, it felt like everyone who was going to get a diagnosis of ADD or ADHD was, you know, welcome to the club. Here are your pills. Go Mm -hmm. forth, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So do you notice though that a lot of women are misdiagnosed? I feel like because ADD and ADHD shows up differently in women that there are a lot of women who don't get diagnosed till they're adults. So do you see that with your clients? Um, actually I see that personally. Mm. So I found when I was, when I was younger, you know, I was, I was an intent little scholar, of course, but mostly for the things that I was interested in. So I loved English. I loved history, um, working on the newspaper, um, those kinds of things. But in other places, there would be that daydreaming, um, inattentiveness. And you wonder, you know, what's wrong with you? And women also, you know, we tend to express ourselves in different ways than men do. So that creates its own challenge. But when I when I was an adult and I was talking with a medical professional about the things that I was experiencing, you know, this 
this difficulty. I like couldn't focus and things like that, that, you know, maybe have you, have you considered it? Mm-hmm. And as an adult, it was also challenging because obviously the first thing is, well, what's wrong with me? Yes. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, and I think hopefully this, this perspective is changing as when children are diagnosed is that it's very much thought of as acting out or being hyperactive. Um, and while that can be an, a component, that is not the only way that this diagnosis manifests. Exactly. I with I, I find a lot of, especially with women, we withdraw into ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we wonder, oh, this is another thing that's going wrong with my body, with my mind. I can't control the world around me. And that that makes it very difficult. Yes. And it I when I've worked with clients who were diagnosed as adults, their symptoms when they really felt severe enough to go and seek out a diagnosis and get treatment was because they were not experiencing hyperactivity. They were experiencing severe anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they might be, you know, talking all the time. Um, even when people tell you not to, okay. it's difficult. Um, the crying episodes, it's not to even make light of them, but mm-hmm. that can be a thing that happens. Um, even from tiny disappointments in life that that can just send, that can be the tipping point, so to speak. Um, interrupting activities, having difficulties paying attention in regular life. Like, yes, I understand that it is sometimes super difficult to get through a textbook. Mm-hmm. And when you're finding that you're reading the same page 10 times and not getting anything out of it, it's possible that that might be a real thing that you're dealing with. That something bigger is going on than just a lack of interest in the subject matter. Exactly. And then, you know, with, with women, we have a lot of consideration, I feel for the comorbidities that come along with ADD and ADHD. So like dealing with depression at heightened levels because of this neuroatypicality, atypicalness, would, did I make a new word? Maybe. Um, <laughs> stress, just anxiety through the roof about this thing that you don't feel that you can control necessarily and low self-esteem because, you know, being a woman is challenging in and of itself, let's add this diagnosis to the mix, right? Yeah. And so how do you see that? And just kind of everyone is different, of course, but just kind of looking at the the two genders, how do men's symptoms manifest that might be different than, than in women? <clears throat> oh, sorry. Um, I feel a lot that some of the ways that they tend to present themselves are different in general and you know just the ways that are accepted for men and women in society in general which you know I say screw that so (laughs) (laughs) um you know it's generally usually been more accepted for men to be outspoken for men to be more you know aggressive and when those things happen or that frustration happens, it's normal. It's okay. And 
women tend to be more emotional in their presentation with ADHD. And so, so that's sometimes why some of these things go unmissed or undiagnosed is because they could be behaviors that are, are considered in the, in the normal range of behavior. Right. Or they yeah. might think, you know, that's, that's how men are, or, you know, inattentive women versus hyperactive men. Right. So when you're working with couples, um, because we do a lot of couples work at Anchor Light, and mm-hmm. do you do you work with couples where maybe one partner has been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD? Yes. And yes. so how does that present in the relationship? What kind of challenges can that present? Um, it obviously it depends on the partner and how they work together. But I have seen you know, and it's possible that both partners are ADHD or ADD. Mm-hmm. They're, they're mixed, you know, and mixed in their presentation. Is it inattentive? Is it hyperactive? Is it both? So I might hear a lot of frustration from the partner of the person with ADD or ADHD about, you know, laundry not getting done or that person spending half the night up playing a video game or getting distracted in a book or another project that they're hyper-focusing on and winding up sleeping in and maybe not helping as the other person feels that they should because they're not familiar with the eccentricities of having this neuroatypicalness. And that makes them frustrated. And, you know, I, I accept that because they, they don't have that personal experience of what it's like to have your brain work that way. So what kind of modalities do you use in those situations? I know another uh, therapy that you work with quite a bit is acceptance and commitment therapy or ACT therapy. Would Mm -hmm. that be something that you would use with a client that has ADD or ADHD? I, I think that that would be a really good one. I mean, I do use CBT and DBT also because mm-hmm. a lot of that is looking at the moment and not judging yourself for how things are going. But yes, acceptance and commitment therapy absolutely could be used both for ADHD and, you know, the things that come along with it, the anxiety, the depression, in, in some cases, self-medication can happen with ADHD. Um, So it's another um, evidence-based therapy and it uses acceptance and mindfulness, but it looks at the presenting problem and it doesn't, and this is the different focus. It doesn't seek to eliminate the difficult feelings right off the bat. But being present and really opening up to that unpleasant feeling. Mm. So exposure therapy to how you're feeling about that, accepting that that is how you feel. No shame, no judgment. And then saying, okay, what is holding me here? And what am I risking? Because even though you feel uncomfortable, that's what you know. 
Mm-hmm. So a lot of times that's what people accept as their normal and that's comfort and you know the unknown the change even though part of your brain is telling you things will get better if you do this thing things can get better if you do this thing however much research part of your part of part of your caveman brain is still saying it's safe here Hmm. with what i know and not putting myself out there to challenge and to grow because that does make us feel uncomfortable. And I like to tell all of my clients that the process of therapy is growth and change. And when you're doing it correctly, a lot of times you will feel very uncomfortable And that's the point when people want to stop. And I'll be there to remind them that this means that progress is happening. Yes, that is one of the things that people resist in coming to therapy is that feeling uncomfortable that they know that it might be hard and that they're going to have to get into those things that are uncomfortable. But that's actually where all the healing happens. So that sounds like a very good modality to really help get clients into that space and move through it. So you can come out the other side of it because that's always the goal, right? Absolutely. And you're not, you're not jettisoning everything and completely moving on, you know, you're owning that thing that happens, that thing that makes you feel uncomfortable, accepting that it's part of what, what was and what is, but not necessarily what has to be going forward. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, to change topics just a little bit, I want to make sure we get all of our content in for today so that our listeners and our clients can get to know you. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we offer well, quite a bit is couples therapy at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And we work with all couples and all couple structures, um, LGBTQ plus couples, every type of couple. And I know that you did something really cool called Gender Odyssey. And I wanted our listeners to hear a little bit more about that and how that has influenced how you work with different different types of couples. Well, I think that the approach, and again, you know, you have to remember that women and men communicate differently. And we have different love languages. And, you know, there will be men who express themselves in ways more closely aligned to women and women who do the same in that way. But I feel like having having same-sex couples, having poly couples, that's all been very enlightening for me. Just figuring out how to navigate things with them and helping and it's all about the client as as the expert, right? So I get to hear a lot of different experiences, different perspectives that I might not have considered. And I have to remind myself again that it's not about what I think they should do, but about what they want, what their goals are, what their relationships look like when they're healthy, when they're running well. And I really liked my experience at Gender Odyssey. um, So what was Gender Odyssey, just to back it up a little bit? So it's an organization um, that 
has a conference that helps to explain and support transgender, gender diverse, um, men, women, children, friends and family of those people. And also, you know, it's open to anyone who wants to expand their knowledge about gender diversity and the issues that come with it. So the Gender Odyssey Convention um, happens yearly, generally. And I was lucky enough to be able to volunteer with that while I was in graduate school. And I was there on professional days. So they would have um, like counselors, teachers, law enforcement, um, different community agencies coming in. So they would have an opportunity to learn about issues that were important, you know, like dead naming, understanding exactly what, how, how to approach what things might be more important to someone yes. who is transgender, gender diverse. Very cool. Education really is the key to everything. Absolutely. And, and honestly, again, understanding that sometimes you may falter, but how you choose to react in that moment and how you come back from that is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just so, that, yeah, knowing how it, to do the repair work, that it's okay to make mistakes, you know, if, mm -hmm. you're, if it's a, just an honest mistake, but that you want to have the skill set to be able to repair yeah. that as well. If you want to learn, if you want to know more about that person and, and you know, respect where they're coming from mm -hmm. and what's important to them. And I love what you said is that our goals as therapists are not to tell you what you should do also although sometimes clients ask for that but what we're really trying to do is to to guide you to what is your truth and what is going to work best for you in your life and all the tools that we use are to help you find those answers you know we may not know what the answer is when we initially meet you because you're a different person than we are and what we might do is not necessarily what's going to work for you but mm -hmm. the goal is to support you in finding whatever your whatever a healthy relationship looks like for you Absolutely. I yeah. know I love that's one of the things that I love about Gottman is getting to know the client as a person in this way and sharing that discovery with their partner and vice versa. Yeah. Um, one of one of the questions that I found myself asking a lot is, you know, from your perspective, what is the most important thing? What are what are the hopes, dreams, fears, stresses? for your partner and hearing, hearing some of the people giving their answers and watching their partner's eyes just widen in surprise. Like what, you know, we've been together for 30 years. How do you not know that this is the problem <laughs> that mm. I'm having? And I feel like it really opens up a lot more dialogue and they learn so much more about their partner. You know, you may have been together since you were freshman in college, or you may have met this last year during the pandemic. But I think that in any instance, there may still be a lot of things that you don't know 
about your partner because they're bringing in a whole different story when they're coming together with you and merging into one unit. Yes. And I think couples who have been together for a long time and short time too, but that they often run the risk that they don't really know each other today anymore because we met when we were in college. Life was very busy with careers and kids and all of the things. And then one day you realize I've been with this person for 25 years and maybe I haven't even had a really serious conversation with them in the last 10 years. We're just kind of functioning together and couples therapy gives you the best, a a wonderful opportunity to break through that and reconnect. Absolutely. You know, I've been married since how old was I? 31. And I'd like to think, you know, that having been married this long, it'll be 13 years next May. Congratulations to me. Yes. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think I'm the same person. I would hope I'm not the same person that I was when I was 30 or 20. You know, we're not in stasis. Right, we're exactly. A- There's a lot of life experiences that change you. It would be almost impossible not to be the same person. Absolutely. So yeah. there's there's always room for that conversation. There's always the opportunity to look at it with fresh eyes because it's not necessarily the same person in ways and you can get to know them in a new way now. Well, this is very exciting, Mary. I am so glad that you have joined us at Anchor Light Therapy Collective and that you have so many things to offer our clients working with individuals and couples. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anyone would like to speak with you directly, if they have any questions about what you do or how you can help them, they can just head on over to our website at anchorlighttherapy.com and schedule a complimentary 20-minute consultation where you can help them uncover whatever is holding them back and see how you can help them in moving forward. Or if you want to be in touch with anyone at Anchor Light Therapy, you can do the exact same thing. So Mara, it's been wonderful talking to you today. I look forward to having you on the show in the future and being part of Anchor Light. And we will do this again next Monday. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to being back with my coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next Monday. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. We'll see you next week.